Welcome to Coastline Church, seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. I learned something new Wednesday night at our women's uh, uh, Bible study. I learned that only about one in 1,000 men have the opportunity to become a rabbi. I always thought, what the heck? These people are fishermen. They're making good money. They had a fleet. You know, why in the world at, at the simple saying from Jesus saying, come follow me, would they drop their nets and start following him? Yeah. which is part two of the testimony, is that in those days, the lesser tried to approach the greater. And if they were lucky, you might be able to study under a rabbi if you showed aptitude, right? right. But with Jesus, he flipped the script and he chose us. He chose them. And so when that happened, well, of course, I'm going to follow this guy, one in a thousand. He chose me. I just love that. I thought it was so good and so telling of the good news of the gospel. Amen? Amen. We're in Acts, and we're in Acts 15. And I just want to go back a few scriptures that Steve covered, um, Pastor Steve covered, and uh, for a little bit of context. And also um, some other things that I'd like to share. So let's start with verse 27. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials, that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from acts of sexual immorality, if you keep yourselves free from such things, you will do well. Farewell. Reason to the point. Verse 30. So when they were sent away, they were down to Antioch, and after gathering the congregation together, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. So let's uh, camp here for a little bit of time. Uh, we covered last week through Pastor Steve um, where the Judaizing teachers were trying to get the Gentile converts to follow all the laws that were already killing them, that was already a burden to them, according to Scripture. And, and they wanted to share the sorrow and, and share the grief, and they wanted them to uh, have all these laws be followed by the new converts. But the apostles required no such thing as we just read. It was not required of anything except for this, what we now know to be the seven laws of the sons of Noah, which we just read. And there was also proselytes of the gate. This was like a term. Um, and these were people who were resident aliens. And they had already adopted, I guess being in that culture, they had already adopted this. So this wasn't even new news to these people called the, pros, the uh, ones of the gate. So, I like that they express themselves with something of authority. We know that they had authority from God because we're looking at this side of the cross. So, of course, they had um, authority. But 
if you're like me, I've seen a lot of authority wielded and it's not always with respect and all. And it said that the scriptures say it seemed good to the Holy Ghost. And so they're saying, well, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, what, what they were sensing by the Holy Spirit, this is how they came to uh, these conclusions. Some people say that it could have also even been something that was determined at another point where maybe that question came up and the Holy Spirit spoke words to them. But they were definitely being spirit-led and spirit-empowered uh, to this. So when um, the Holy Ghost descended upon Cornelius and, your, and his friends when Peter was preaching, it was plain that Christ decided that he would be altering that thought of Jewish people and the Jewish people, uh, especially the Judaizer teachers, um, that, hey, something's stopping and something new is beginning. I also uh, liked how they expressed themselves with an abundance of tenderly and fatherly concern. First, they said, we, are, uh, we don't want to burden them. What person in authority says something like that? They were afraid of burdening them, uh, not in the traditional sense of the word afraid, but they, they didn't want to burden them. They didn't want to put a greater burden on than they had to have. Um, they didn't want to discourage them by imposing too much on them, so he just set those seven things in order. Secondly, um, there was nothing else that was added to it. and. And as we'll see a little bit later, even some of the things that they said um, with time and history, even some of those were um, left off, as we'll be talking about very shortly, because I love bacon. So um, third, um, they enforced the commendation and, and uh, of those that complied with it. Have I read that scripture? I'm sorry. Um, yeah. I think I, I haven't read that all, but, but I'll go ahead and just say that in this little part, and then we'll continue uh, reading. Another thing that really stood out to me as something different was that a lot of times, and in, in their own past, in their recent past, even among the Jews, you know how you say, like, you're not supposed to do this, and you're doing this, and you're doing that, and if, you don't do, if you're not doing that, you're anathema, you're going to hell, you're not going to see Jesus, that kind of thing. Well, I thought it was very interesting that they flipped it, and they, they said, of which you were already doing, and that's to your credit and comfort, if you were like using my words. So I saw a difference of style of the true apostles from the false. I saw that it was observable. And um, that was uh, where I went with that. So they were delivering the, the letters. They came back to Antioch. They were no longer in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is starting to uh, lose its, uh, not, not lose its power, but maybe lose a little bit of influence. Antioch is becoming the more prominent city. And as they uh, gathered together, as I just read, they're delivering the letter to them with their own mouths, uh, reinforcing it, knowing that these uh, would be accepted by the people in Antioch. 
and um, and like I said, the proselytes of the gate, they had already put themselves under these restrictions. So guess what? They were really, really happy. They were thrilled, probably more guys than even the girls, were really thrilled that they didn't have to obey the Jewish law and become circumcised. And then notice here that now they were no longer unclean or defiled if they touched a grave or a dead body. So said all that to say that they could have their bacon and eat it too. <laughs> the only thing that they asked is that when you're, they were among the Jewish believers that they restrained themselves. And even as history goes on, you'll find that that was one of those things that ended up being uh, dropped. But for now, they were trying to uh, trying to walk in love with, with their fellow believers, not because they had to, but because of a choice. And so the, the people were pleased, they were rejoicing, they were comforted, um, they were feeling freedom, you know, freedom from the yoke of that law, of the ceremonies, and um, their, uh, their troubled minds could be finally released, that they didn't have to be um, circumcised. The Gentiles were encouraged to receive the gospel, and then the peace of the church was restored and remove the threatening division there. So we go on and as we just read, Judas and Silas, which also they were prophets in themselves, um, in the Holy Ghost, um, they were trusted to relate these things by their word of mouth. And like I said a little bit earlier, these uh, were gladly received. So it was a, a good receiving. And even though uh, they were used to Paul and Barnabas all the time, they liked Judah and Silas. And it's, it's my, can, uh, my belief that we need to have a diversity of gifts among ministers. And that what might not be somebody's cup of tea might be someone's blueberry coffee, you know? And what is somebody's blueberry coffee might be someone else's cocoa, you know? Uh, whatever and that we do need we need a diversity of gifts and we need a diversity of administration so that we can see how the holy spirit works with different people and um and in different ways that he does that so then um as we read um or as we're going to read uh came to the to the um dismissal of the Jewish Jerusalem ministers. And so let's go ahead and pick up in verse 32. Judas and Silas, also being prophets, themselves encouraged and strengthened the brothers and sisters with a lengthy message. That part I thought was funny right there. I mean, they encourage and strengthen the brothers and sisters with a lengthy message. In this day and age, it was like, oh, I need more coffee to stay awake. Um, after they had spent time there, they were sent away from the brothers and sisters in peace to those who had sent them out. Verse 35. But Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord, with many others also. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's return and visit the brothers and sisters in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them also. But Paul was of the opinion that they should not take along 
with them this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Now it turned into such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another, and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Baal chose Silas and left after being entrusted by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So we can leave it here for a while, but you can see that he, uh, Paul and Silas, they're traveling from Syria and Cilicia through Syria, strengthening the churches. So they have quite a bit of a jaunt to go through there. So we'll just park there for a little while. Um, Pastor Steve left me the disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Um, because I'm an idealist. I'm a Pollyanna. I want everything to just like work out perfect and fine. And I want, you know, all the I's dotted and the T's crossed. And, and I want it to look pretty, too, on top of that all. And yet, there is a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. Uh, spoiler alert, it does end well, so please bear with me. But... Anyway, um, Paul made the proposal to Barnabas to go and review their work, to kind of take a circuit among all the places that they had been. And Antioch was now safe. It wasn't uh, uh, dangerous like it had been before and would be more like a harbor for them and they, where they could like refresh themselves, renew themselves, uh, plus see what's going on there. And... Um, he, pro pro he proposes this to Barnabas. And the visit is designed to not begin new work, which again, I would be thinking like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, we could probably get to ten more cities, you know. But no, let's presently not begin a new work. Let's not break up new ground. Let's visit the view of the fields we have sown. And... Uh, which reminds us of a scripture in Song of Songs 7.12 about um, seeing the vineyards and everything, something I was thinking about. And what was intended by their visit, um, he said, let us see how they do. You know, like what spirit are they of? How are they affected? How are they behaving themselves? Um, let's see whether they're holding fast to what we preach to them. What kind of state are they in? Uh, do the churches have rest and do they still have liberty or are they in trouble and are they in distress? Um, can we rejoice with those who rejoice? Can we weep with those who weep? Um, comfort them in the Lord and better know how to pray for them. So it, it was really uh, cool how they did that. So the disagreement between Paul and Barbara about the assistant um, probably there was a lot of things that came into play. But one, Barnabas would have taken his nephew John, Mark, uh, to go along with him, maybe because of his relation, you know, maybe he because he's related to him, maybe he's accustomed to it. Uh, maybe he had been very kind to him. Some people think that he was showing partiality here. I don't know that, if, that that's a really good argument for this. But Paul opposed it, and he, he did not mince words. He opposed it. He thought it wasn't good to take him with him, that he wasn't worthy of the honor nor fit for the service. Um, since uh, 
Pamphylia episode, 1313. And um, so there was a lot of, possibly a lot of words spoken. I mean, it made it into the Bible, so it must have been really important. And who knows, maybe Paul was thinking of the proverb in 2519 that says, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth in a foot out of joint, which will hardly be used again. Um, it, the disagreements became such a thing as they decided that they must part. And even though it was really humbling, uh, but we can see some things here. And since, remember, the way, the, the way that I'm hoping that we'll all be viewing the book of Acts this time around is that we're looking for what is the Holy Spirit doing in it, not so much what are the apostles doing, but what is the Holy Spirit doing, and then we can make that application for ourselves. What is the Holy Spirit doing in our situations? And so, number one, we can just know for fact, this is no, this is no surprise, the best of men are still men. Ta-da! Doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out, right? And um, when I was thinking about that, I was thinking, okay, Holy Spirit, you're putting in this less than perfect and pretty picture here. What are you trying to say to us? And I, I feel like that since they, um, the apostles came in a fatherly and tender way and tried to not burden them, I feel like that the Holy Spirit would want to bring us comfort and say sometimes because men are men, are men women are women, because we're humans are human, that there, there may come times, there may even become times that are so sharp that there is a separation, but be confident of this one thing, that the Lord began a good work in you, and he will, he will fulfill it in Amen. us. And that he's doing good works in men, and that he will fulfill it. And that he'll even turn the things that were considered bad for good. So that's what I got out of that. Um, if you have something else, we can share that at the end. Number two, and this is hard for me, again, being the idealist one more. Um, don't think it's strange when, when there's difference between um, men and women of God that are wise and good, even the ones that are wise and good. They'll have different uh, opinions, different views, different set, sediment, uh, sentiments, sorry, um, and that we should always remember that love never fails. That is the law that will be able to carry us through these, right? Also, too, that there was good that was brought out of this because God has promised that um, he will make good out of things. One, one good thing that came out, more places were visited because there was a separation. More places were visited in the circuit, so uh, that was good. Number two, there was more hands because now there was John Mark. So he was able to uh, also further the gospel. So the, the workers in the field increased. 
like the Lord says to us, he says, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. So pray to the Lord, send workers into the harvest. And, and that's us. That's us. He's, it's not like, oh, it's them. It's us. You know, send workers into the harvest. And then um, with Silas, he was new. He was never employed in the work of the Lord, nor he intended to. But according to 33 and 34, he was brought in and he was engaged in this work. So, like I said, the church at Antioch seemed to tolerate Paul and what he did. We don't know everything, um, you know, because the Bible doesn't get into, and then he said, and then she said, and then he said, you know. It doesn't go into all that, so we're not really sure what all happened there. But they did tolerate him. They did accept the letter. Um, they had affections toward him. They had honor and respect towards him. And um, maybe they, most people think that they thought he was right in refusing to take John Mark and could not blame Barnabas for insisting upon it on the other hand, though he was one who had deserved well at the church. So we can be happy or we can rejoice in the Lord at all times, especially in times of disagreement and contention. I'm saying this to myself that you just happen to be here. Um, who are unable so to carry themselves not to forfeit their interest in the love and prayers of good people. Amen. Let that be it. Paul afterwards seemed to have had another trial, a better opinion of John Mark as we'll, as we'll uh, find out. But also in 2 Timothy 4.11, he's already altered his opinion of John Mark and um, Mark they take Mark and bring him with him for it's profitable for his ministry he writes to the Colossians in chapter 4 verse 10 and so what I gathered out of that by the Holy Spirit is that even if there's disagreements and strong contentions even if there's um, separations that the Lord the Lord will make good out of this and uh, a friend of mine once told me something that I've never forgotten and I believe is totally on point. And he said about, uh, we, were, we happened to be talking about somebody who uh, just went crazy. Uh, I mean, this person thinks they're Jesus now and, you know, I'm surprised they don't have a cross in their backyard or something. But, <laughs> but anyway, he said to me, he said, Francis, She's only a revelation away. She's just a revelation away. And that is how it is with us and the Holy Spirit. We're just a revelation away. We can have a change of heart, change of soul, change of mind like that when the Holy Spirit is there present within, within us and dealing with us. And so even if these things happen, we might try and attempt to be mature and try and attempt to be moderate in what we say because we might be eating those words as the old school would say it or we might have to adjust our opinions when people uh, go ahead and they make changes and they have a good track record and all so you don't have to eat your own words you know and also so you don't have to harbor that bitterness in your heart because we all know about bitterness and we know that 
if you harbor bitterness in, in your heart, it not only makes you defile, but it defiles the people that you're around. And so uh, that's what I was thinking that the Holy Spirit was saying through this there. Um, I have a Bible that is called the, uh, I think it's called the John Maxwell Leadership Bible. And they came up with three points. I kind of adapted them, but I thought they were, they were uh, worthy of mentioning today, as long as I gave them credit. I did adapt it a little bit. So number one, Peter's suggested change to the way the church does things amounts to a paradigm shift in both thought and belief. Number two, Peter persuades leaders in change by convincing, communicating what God is doing. Number three, Peter sees the need for change before others do. His perception with his credibility keeps the church moving forward. And as I said, it was from the Maxwell Leadership Bible. So, uh, uh, Pastor Linda, do you have any uh, words or anything more? Uh, Pastor Steve is at Lighthouse today and he's giving Willie a break. So, Pastor Steve's not here. Is there anyone else that would like to um, say something that they felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to them in this? I take that back. Okay. <laughs> nice and loud. I was just thinking when you were uh, saying about the benefit, I mean, the Lord is doing a good work in spite of our conflicts or difficulties or whatever's going on in our lives. And in this case, it's more places were visited and, and there were more hands to help. And um, where was I going with that? Tell me, Frank. <laughs> oh, I'm just, oh, here it is. We don't know what God's doing. As you said, we're just a revelation away for a change of our heart. Yeah. We don't have the big picture. Yeah. God does. Exactly. And he's moving things by his Holy Spirit. Right. You know, we are to follow in his footsteps, obedient, and um, and remain there. That's but, good. But to always look for his work. You know, he's always moving and changing things for our good, our benefit, and his glory. Yeah. Anybody else feel like the Lord's saying anything to them, Robin? Um, I guess I was just kind of thinking, who are we to say that, like, maybe Mark kind of realized he maybe didn't do things right before, and so his, was it his cousin or his uncle anyway, Barnabas, said I, he saw the need to give him grace to give him that shot, whereas maybe Paul wasn't ready to do that, and so the separation gave them time to kind of see the situation mm -hmm. a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's just what I was thinking. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Anybody else? I just see it as uh, us not being so critical of other people and, you know, kind of, let, kind of um, um, be understanding and more open and, you know, it's just, you know, give grace. Yeah. Right. Kind of, you know, just go with the flow a little bit more as long as it's going in a, you know, religious, godly direction, you know? So, and yeah, something may seem bad, but it turns, you know, when something that a conflict can work itself out, you know, if we just kind of um, we'll be more gentle with 
uh, the way we act about it. You know? Absolutely. The, there was the, there's an old school saying that I remember well that it's like walk a mile in my shoes. Yep. If you've walked a mile in my shoes, I, I know in the last uh, few years some some things have transpired that usually didn't get past me that that got to other people and and they like were appalled and and you know appalled and. Uh, and I said, well, I'm sorry that happened. Usually it stays right with me, but, but we don't know. We don't know, we, on, we don't know people's hearts. Jesus knows people's hearts. We can even say by our, their actions that we think we do, but that's not always verifiable. And so it is something to consider, even like you were saying the praise that you had with your, uh, your relative. That all of a sudden, <laughs> You're gold, you know, where where before you were this terrible person. So I didn't know what to do about it either. And I was like, well, God will figure it out. And yeah. today there was that, that, that text message that, like, where she reached out to me. Because yeah. I'm like, I don't know how. Because my mom's like, well, can you call my sister? And I'm like, or can you call your sister? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's going to turn out too well. So but she reached out to me just because yeah. they can get time. So. I'll yeah. have to let my mom know about that. Anyone else? Jerry, you can come up. Frank? <laughs> I was just going to make mention of who was the first person to invest in Saul after the road to Damascus? It's Barnabas. Yeah. And he saw something in Saul that no one else seen. And I often wonder, did Barnabas see the same thing in, in John Mark that no one else seen? And there's also this um, this forgiveness that happened um, between men and at the end of Paul's life where Paul is calling him John Mark. Yeah. There's some restoration there that we all can learn from. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also, too, I've learned this in a prayer category, so I know that this still would apply in other categories, that sometimes um, there would be a prayer assignment or a prayer request or something like that, and I would know at some point, okay, Francis, you're finished. Your work, your work is done. Other people can keep praying, but you're done. We're going to go on to the next assignment kind of thing. And um, I had trouble with that at first because people would say, well, aren't you concerned? Aren't you praying? No, no, I, I, I am. I have prayed about it, and, and yes, uh, it's in the Lord's hands, you know, kind of thing. And kind of the same, the same idea, too, because maybe, maybe John Mark wasn't supposed to have the input of the other, you know, and really more um, as a familial thing, maybe he would receive more from his uncle. You know, uh, we don't know that. Most uh, people who study these things, you know, night and day, day and night, um, they don't agree. They think it was just, a, you know, a total, uh, a total loss uh, and being immature and um, and trying to cause division, you know, and all that. But I, I don't buy that. I, I don't see it from the scripture anyway. Um, at this time, of course, it's always subject to change. So, Tom? Yeah, I wanted to also um, see if we could lift up a friend of ours. Um, her name's Tina Schwartz, and she's going to go in this week 
and get a checkup. She's been fighting cancer, no. and uh, so she's we're we're uh, you know praying for her uh, to have a good result from all of the um, procedures that she's been having, and hopefully they're clearing out the cancer and, and making way for new cells to replace those bad cells. Right. God's God's touching her. Do you want to lead us? Do you want to come up and lead us in that? Or? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. You did it with uh, the other one, so right. awesome. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I'll add it to yours if I have something that stirs in me by the, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. He wants your heart. He doesn't want your yeah. words. Well, I, yeah, no fancy I, I, words. Just so yeah. So Lord, we just we just want to raise up uh, Tina Schwartz and and. Um, Stuart Schwartz uh, for being her backing and you know her um, they, they're a strong couple and they've had a lot of um, difficulties in their lives and they've they've made it through those difficulties and um, this is just another battle that we know that you can um, yeah. you can help and you can yes. you can put your hand on it and you can make it um, just perfect and, and bless this this procedure and um, and the work that's happening yes. with Tina Lord and we just thank you for um, the doctors that you provide for us and we know that you have such a, a powerful uh, working in them Lord and, and and we maybe they'll come to our church and, and have some good things to say about it. so and I thank you for all the people in the church that are going through health issues and I just lift them up to you Lord too and, and everyone else and, and give them your angels of healing Lord. amen amen yeah. and we're trusting you for good results as yeah said. exactly amen thank you for joining us today at coastline church to find out more information please visit coastlinefoursquare.com